Join me, Professor RPG, as I sit down with friends, colleagues, and special guests as we reminisce and discuss role-playing games that left their mark on us. Expect to see all sorts, from Western style to Japanese and even tabletop. So stay a while and listen, and let us trigger those memories of tales long since completed. Relive that fantasy you hold dear, and come along with us, adventurer, on this quest into the past. Welcome to the RPG University. Class is in session, and we are bidding farewell to 2021, and taking a look back at the state of RPGs this year, and what were some of the highlights of the genre. As always, I am your host, Scott White, also known as Professor RPG, and this week I have the pleasure of welcoming back to the university some faces, and welcoming a new face as well to the university. First up, from Prima Games, and making his first appearance here at the university, Mr. Lucas White. How's it going, Lucas? It's going great. I can't believe Mary Skelter finale wasn't on the document until I showed up. <laughs> I was Just debating. completely shocked. <laughs> debating. I did play the first Mary Skelter back, uh, way back when, but uh, yes, that uh, also came out on uh, this month or this year. And then next up, returning to the university, my good friends and members of our Divinity Original Sin 2 gang. It's a mad attack. Matt Storm, a.k.a. Matt Stormageddon and Matt Finman. How's it going, guys? It's going awesome. Doing so, well. Doing well. Happy to be back. Yeah, we are recording this a few days after Christmas and hope you all had a wonderful holiday, which whatever you celebrated. Hopefully it was magical and you have a wonderful New Year's coming up. But yes, we are here to talk back, talk about and look back at the year that was RPGs in 2021. So I guess um, just to start things off. Uh, what's everybody's thoughts on the RPG RPG genre uh, as it currently stands? This year was solid, but I don't think it's going down as is like one of the greats. Yeah, yeah, I think. Uh, it I mean, was- there, there was a bunch of big heavy hitters, but I mean, there, there, it, it was, it was a good year, but not a standout year, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. yeah, I feel like there, like if you were someone who hasn't played a lot of RPGs of this or last gen, then it was a really good year for you because there were a lot of remasters and re-releases that were really uh, great, needed upgrades to a bunch of games that uh, weren't on the current gen or last gen, uh, depending on what gen you have, since we live in this nebulous era of PS4 slash PS5 and so on. But yeah, I think that uh, Finn's right. You know, it was there was no like standout like this was the best game of the year. I think everyone's going to have their favorites from this year, but it was kind of a uh, an even keel throughout the year. Yeah. What do you think, Lucas? What's your take? Yeah, um, I, I think that we're really seeing um, like JRPGs being cool again. Yeah. And we're we're kind of like. Let's maybe not let's, in the beginning or the middle of that, but let's just, be fair, real quick. They're always cool. Our JRPGs have always been cool. People are just realizing more people are realizing now that they're cool. <laughs> That's true. Right. I mean, a few years ago, you know, you you wouldn't think to see this many JRPGs coming out and uh, you know doing well at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, it, we're like just a couple of years removed from like Saga being dragged out of the ether. I mean, we've got uh, Super Robot Wars yeah. out of nowhere, uh, Idea Factory and Koei Tecmo putting stuff out, Monster Rancher. Yeah. Just like 
the number of things and also those things is like status is just just a huge range now compared to just a few years ago. Speaking of range, I think one thing cool about this year is so many genres are represented within the RPG. It used to there was such a shift where everything was an action RPG, but now no matter what kind of type of RPG you enjoy, Western, JRPG, action, turn-based, there's going to be something for you. And I think that's really cool. We, we never used to be able to say that, but like mm. everyone's represented now. Even if even if this year was missing in the, the huge heavy hitters, there was still something for everyone to play. And I think that's really neat. Yeah, I think one of my biggest takeaways from this year was I feel like this was the year that Square really adopted the PC. Um, we saw a lot of like surprise PC drops for their RPGs. I mean, you had Octopath, you had Bravely Default, you had Kingdom Hearts, uh, all the Saga games. These were all games that, I mean, even a year ago, it's like, oh, those will remain console exclusives, you know? At least, at least I thought, and then they were almost shadow drops. Yeah, yeah, I they mean- kind of figured out like, oh, it's it's easy and cost effective to work with the unreal engine <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah well i mean for now the, we can do more for the longest time like we only got shitty mobile ports to the pc you know all of the final fantasies and chrono trigger are these uh, shitty is a strong word they're just not the quality of like the ds ports or the you know any of the other mm-hmm. console ports and so like it's nice to see with the pixel remasters and and some of the just ports that they're doing a good job. There have been, you know, of course, there have been some difficulties with like the Final Fantasy VII remake port and stuff, which is unsurprising. It seems like companies don't always put the invested complete time and testing they need. But it's nice to see them start to shift in that direction. It'll smooth out with time. And on PC, it's much easier to patch. So we can only hope it'll get better. But it is nice to like, I'm hopeful that we'll get a better version of Chrono Trigger on PC soon, especially with the Pixel remasters coming and like that they'll continue to push their stuff to pc because you know i mean their biggest representation on pc have been like the playstation and playstation 2 um um final fantasies and like of course their mmo and so it's nice to see the other console games get some love as well on pc yeah you're also uh now that you mentioned chrono trigger i think we're also seeing a more responsive square enix yeah um like like chrono trigger um you know the PC version isn't perfect, but like they have changed it and changed it and patched it and updated yeah. it since yeah. it dropped. Like everyone just yelled at them, and then suddenly, like the ports fairly decent now, at least compared to before. Mm-hmm. Um, you're also seeing uh, post-launch support for some of the Final Fantasy games, um, and uh, Seven just came out. But like you know, it, just a few years ago, it was like oh they they dropped. Final Fantasy 13 on Steam and never look back again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so we're definitely seeing like uh, and from other developers too, I think like Koei Tecmo and cetera, like not only are the PC ports happening, they're also like being touched more. And it's with that mentality I, that oh sorry, mm, Scott, go. No, go ahead. I was just saying, like it's it's all the people that are uh complaining about Pixel Remasters not being on console yet, you know it's coming. Like squares, they they listen. They're listening, and you know they're gonna hit eventually. Just they're gonna hit on PC first. So yeah, there's no way they could sell those games piecemeal on console and not have even more angry people. Yeah, 
So we're gonna get you like know a collection. They're going to though. Nah, we're gonna we'll get a collection. Going to. We'll get a collection. Maybe. Uh, Let a man dream, Scott. It, <laughs> I, I'm just saying. I mean, they didn't do a collection for Dragon Quest one through three, and those are even shorter games. Sure, they That's did. True. You just had to buy yeah, it from it's, the it's Asia the, Play Asia. Not in the U.S. <laughs> they had a physical copy overseas, but over yeah. in the U.S. it was piecemeal. Dragon Quest one through three were all piecemeal. I think you might be able to, but. Do you like a bundle where you could buy it? To counter but that, I Scott, think... I would say Final Fantasy 1 through 6 is way more popular in the West than Dragon Quest 1 through 3. I think it's a resources thing. Yeah. They actually put like, there's a lot of effort in those pixel remasters. Um, mm-hmm. And I think dropping it on PS, uh, PC and mobile with like those higher price points is like already kind of been a weird sticker shock for people, but. I think that's just because like they put more into these games, so they had mm-hmm. to like, all right, let's see if we can make our our money back. And, I'd agree with uh, that. And that way, we can justify the collection on consoles at a lower price. That makes that's, sense. That's yeah. my theory. I could see them bundling like one through three together, and then piecemealing four, five, and six as individual cells. Yeah. Or do you two bundles? Maybe. Yeah. Or or then yeah. you realize that it's Square and they're the people that always charged even more than Nintendo for their DS games. You remember the <laughs> Square tax? So who knows? Oh, yeah. Who knows? It could go either way. I mean, we got a physical banner collection. Anything's possible. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But yeah, there was this was very much a year. And I think I mean, we just heard last night that how. Uh, Yoshi P came out and announced that Final Fantasy 16 has been delayed six months because of COVID and everything. And I think a lot of the reason we're seeing so many remasters and kind of new generation enhanced port ports come out is in is uh, do a good part, I think, because of this. I mean, um, the Yakuza stuff, you had the Neo remasters, um, you had things like that. So. Um, it was very much like uh, Finn said. There were a lot of it's a it's a strong year, but we got a lot of remasters, got a bunch of enhanced ports, um, and not a ton of like huge heavy hitters, um, like legendary heavy hitters. I guess I should say. Um, what does it take, in your estimation, like to consider like a JRPG a heavy hitter? What does that mean to you guys? For me, it's like a big, like numerical entry in a series, like a new Final Fantasy, a new Kingdom Hearts, a new um, Dragon Quest, a new Yakuza at this point. Gotcha. Um, Like a lot of those games like. And Near Replicant, I think, is fantastic. It was a very nice like remaster slash remake. Um I would say like a new brand new near game would be a, mm. a really big heavy hitter. Um, but like okay. um, Lost Judgment um, is a heavy hitter for sure. That's a series coming out. I don't know if I would. It's a very good game. I don't know if I would put it on the same tier. I guess a heavy hitter um, like the Mass Effect Legendary Edition was a heavy hitter release, but it was a collection of like remastered games. Really well done, but I don't know if I would consider that as a like a Final Fantasy 16 per se or a 7 remake. 
Well, sure. I think the heavy hitter for that would be, you know, Dragon Quest four or Mass Effect five, like any like if those came mm-hmm. out. Um, but, be, you know, but I think also like we hit the nail on the head with the covid stuff and like game development over the last two years have just been different than it's ever been in the last 10 years. Just because oh, yeah. more people are working from home, less people can work it all together. Covid's kind of wreaking havoc. The, you know, the sort the shortage, the fact that we've had a shortage on the newest consoles for over a year is unprecedented. Mm-hmm. This has never happened before. There's always been supply and demand. Like the switch was in and out of stock for six months, but eventually you could just go online and get it. You still can cannot do that with the Xbox Series X or the PlayStation 5. And that's because of this chip shortage and COVID. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I think that's also affected. That's why I think, you know what? Going back to Lucas's theory, that's why Square Enix is pushing the PC, I think, is because everyone can get a PC, even though there are part shortages for PCs too. For the most part, there mm. are more PCs that are accessible at current gen hardware than the next gen consoles. It's why also everything is being released on both the Mm -hmm. last platform and the current platform because they don't want to lose out on sales. And it's because of this unprecedented shortage of consoles being able to be purchased. You know, the switch is pretty much ubiquitous now, although even the OLED is hard to find since it's released. Like, I think that's what's seeing the shift and like, you know, Talking a little bit about more specifics, like we, you mentioned the Yakuza remaster. I'm someone who came to the Yakuza game in 2020 um, and started with zero and played all the way through till six this year. Mm. And like, I, I love these games. They're dumb and big and fun and heartfelt. And I think them coming to Xbox specifically put them on a different level than they ever were before. They were successful overseas and successful enough here, but it was putting them on Game Pass that made them ubiquitous, especially once, um, you know, like a dragon was available everywhere. It just changed the scope of that series. I wouldn't have called it a heavy hitter even a few years ago, but now I'll have to fight you on that. Yeah, I don't agree with that at all. I mean, I, 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 I guess what I would say is I wouldn't have considered it a heavy hitter myself because I just wasn't that familiar with it. And I think the mainstream wasn't that familiar with it. I think it's a mainstream heavy hitter now like it was never before because of the accessibility to these games on PC and Game Pass. You know, people bought them on the other consoles, but I think now that they're everywhere and they're not just on one console, it's made them ubiquitous in a way that they weren't before, you know, like a Final Fantasy. Like, I would consider Yakuza a more successful franchise than Sonic now, especially because of how ubiquitous it is. They're riding the momentum from Yakuza 0. Yes. Um, Yeah, I I totally agree with what you're saying. Well, I agree with... Sorry, go, Lucas. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, Yakuza was, like just impossible to even um like get news about you know what i mean like ps3 games uh you know yakuza 5 uh, didn't even get a physical release yakuza 3 had like that you know content removed and everything sega was like scared of putting those games out in english for a little while um and then just the stars aligned with yakuza 0 and i, and I think it goes back to kind of what i was saying earlier about JRPGs are cool again. Like people are just showing up for these games um, in a way that they didn't before. And I think that like kind of that has a lot to do with like the the consoles kind of being cheaper. I think it has to do with like the uh the previous recession ending kind of with this generation. 
I think there's a lot of factors that kind of led to just the numbers are a lot higher now, even for weird stuff like uh, Legend of Mana, for example. And, and Yakuza really benefited from that. I feel like it wasn't so much Yakuza 0 that did it for the series. I think Yakuza had their Final Fantasy VII moment with Yakuza Like a Dragon. I don't think I oh, think no, that was it, the game. It, it 100% was Zero was the one that brought it into the mainstream mentality. I think 7 in terms of uh, more acceptance because of the genre shift. Uh, but Zero was the game that is is usually the it's like the cowboy bebop of the Yakuza <laughs> series. It's like the perfect yeah. gateway drug into the whole franchise. Like whenever you see someone going like, oh, I guess I'm going to see what this series is about. Like Yakuza Zero is always the one that grips them. Yeah. And then three through five and, and sometimes six loses them a little bit because Zero <laughs> was so good and it changed up the formula and updated the franchise in such unique ways. And it, it also was just such a good standalone game, but it, it started so many people off that path. And I and and it was it's zero and then seven. I would agree that uh, those yeah. are the two big ones that have really launch the franchise into everyone's hearts and minds uh yeah. like we wouldn't even get the franchise on xbox if zero hadn't brought it into such more widespread appeal because it was Zero's success that supercharged the playstation fan base and caused sega to be like all right well maybe we'll try pc and yeah. then zero once again took off on pc and that success like trickled down into the rest of the franchise and then they're like all right let's let's hit it on xbox we would not have it on game pass if zero itself hadn't re-energized the whole franchise i would my only personal um tilt on this would be having played three through six this year i still haven't finished seven though i started it is that i would say that six is the best one since zero only because if you're a fan of kiryu kazuma that game is a lovely letter to his entire story arc and was one of the most emotionally impactful games of the series for me. Now, I mean, broad appeal is a different story, but I'm just saying for me personally, that was a revelation, you know, in a way that in the same way that zero was because I went on that full arc over the last year and a half. Um, and I think it's why I haven't played like a dragon yet is because I liked the beginning of that game, but getting used to a new character after falling in love with Kiryu and his family and all the misfits is hard for me. And I'll Seven's get so to it good. eventually. Do it. it is. And I don't, I don't same doubt with, it. Same with judgment though. Like yeah. new story, new characters, but they're so good. You just gotta, yeah. gotta love it. Yeah, totally. I think, I think what Yakuza has done well and why I think this franchise is going to see an even bigger boom when we get like a dragon Two, which they've said is coming in, in some shape or form. Um, is they know how to tell stories and like get you to relate to these characters. And again, I think I six hit so hard for me because I went on that journey. So condensed, like I was a crazy person. I played all six games, seven games 
in less <laughs> than a year and a half, which is mm-hmm. wild. No one would do that. And I did it because I wanted to get to like a dragon, ironically, which is now what I haven't played yet. Um, but I think that's why I have such a crystal clear view of this franchise in a way that other folks might not is because I just I've been with it so long. And I think uh, in such a short time, like I spent so many hours with it. Uh, looks like yeah. Matt looks like Stormy is like a dragon his feet on this. Am I right? Yeah. Dad jokes. Um, the dad jokes are strong with you, my friend. Yeah, Always. it's true. Always had a baby happen. just so he could tell just, more dad jokes. It is true. Jokes. That is why it's I had true. a baby. Just so I could be legally tell these kind of jokes. All right. <laughs> What's <Yeah>. next? <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's, I guess, segueing uh, into it, since we're uh, on the Yakuza train, we'll kind of segue into breaking down some of the big releases, uh, big RPG releases that came out through the months. Um, in January, the remastered collection. So this was Yakuza 3, 4, and 5 released mm-hmm. on the Xbox, uh, came to Game Pass. That was a big one. And Atelier Ryza 2, Lost Legends and the Secret Fairy released as well. Ryza doing like fucking gangbusters for the series. Hell like, yeah. Um, you talk about Final Fantasy 7 moments. Right? Yeah. Ryza, Ryza, no Ryza brought me back after the original PS2 trilogy. Oh, I love those Iris games. I was I was looking at this uh, recently, and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure uh, Ryza is like the first Atelier to have a two on it. You know what I mean? Huh. Like on the title, like like some of the games are like connected uh, in different ways or set in the same place, but I'm pretty sure this is the first one that's oh, like branded uh, as Iris, like, number two. Uh, no, Iris Adel- two and three I- had two, yep. yeah the original uh, PS two trilogies. Okay, Ad- Atelier Iris one, two, and three. Yeah. And, so, there, and there was Mana Kamiya, which was like the spinoff Atelier series. Um, those had numbers, but since it didn't have the specific. But it has been over a decade. I think. Oh, yeah. One in a very long time. Yeah. Oh, I'll yeah. redact that a little bit. But it, yeah, basically, like it, the first game hits and, you know, it like the Switch version just goes out of print for a while. You see like Wario 64 is like popping and every time there's like stock of that game back. And then all of a sudden, boom, Rizzo 2. Like, there's numbers for mm-hmm. these games that haven't been there before. Yeah. Um, what's everybody's kind of experience with the Atelier series, I guess? I know, Finn, you mentioned that you played the old Iris games, but what about everybody else? Well, I have. This is the first time I've ever heard of this franchise. And that's what I love about RPGs in general is I'm always discovering games for the first time like i still haven't played any of the tales games i bought them all this year except for uh rise uh on a steam sale so i will play them but like those i was at least remotely familiar with like i knew Mm -hmm. i knew of them but yeah this one i have i have no idea i looked it up it looks very cool um but i i have zero experience with it and this this is my favorite thing about storytelling games, especially, which I associate so closely with RPGs since I'm in them mostly for the narrative most of the time, is like you can just discover a brand new franchise and find out that for the most part, a lot of these franchises, the, some of them do direct sequels. But for the most part, you can jump in anywhere and be like, and they they create them in a way that if you know the franchise, there'll be touch points. But if you don't, you can still get wrapped up in the story. Uh and yeah, but this this one I don't know very well at all. Um, I'm assuming Lucas, you do because you were talking about it before too. Yeah, um, when I was a baby games media person, uh, 
a copy of Atelier Totori showed up at my house. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> I put it in. I'm like, oh, this game is gorgeous and it's got this vibe to it. Um, but it also has a time limit. So my anxiety immediately kicks in. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. I can't actually play this. Years later, um, I just like keep noticing these games come out and still like being afraid to try them because of the time limit thing. Um, and then like I hear it eventually stops and I don't have any time for it. Then like Riza hits at just like the right time. And I just like devour that game. Um, and like, it is so hard to find time for these games. They're so like slow paced, mm-hmm. but, uh, it's like my backlog right now is like, six atelier games on oh, it plan to eventually get to yeah, yeah. Uh, matt one thing you need to know about uh gust as a company the people that uh make these this franchise is they love have like just word souping it up like all their games are just like ridiculously named and subtitled but that's part of the charm right sure that makes sense the less you can pronounce the better it is <laughs> that's that's my take on gust games Good to know. It's true. Crystar, baby. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I played the Iris games back on the PS2. I really enjoyed those. I've dabbled with um, Rorona. Like, that's the thing. Like, you can buy trilogy packs, which I think is brilliant for these games. They're stupid expensive, usually around 90 to 100 bucks for th- the three games. Um, but these are fun games and honestly i think this would be a perfect rpg to get my wife into um, because she's a big fan of kind of the chiller games the more uh crafting and uh store or like store sims and managing stores and which is very heavily focused a heavy focus in these in these games and uh yeah Ryza just knocked it out of the park both here and overseas and Good. I'm I'm anxious to see what co- continues to grow and come from the Atelier series uh, nice. going forward. Especially like they seem to be uh, Gust at least seems to be doing well. Did really well with like the the new hardware. Like Riza Two looks great on PS5, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that's that's a cross gen game. So like whatever whatever the next Atelier is, because you know it's gonna be a thing. Um, it's, it's going to be like, I feel like that art style, um, is just really going to hit people. Gus needs to help Felcom in localizing their games faster. Like (laughs) this is how you localize in-depth games faster. Um, but those were kind of the, the big ones that stood out to, to us in January. So now we move on to February, which had a, a, a pretty good lineup. Um, it started off with East Nine, Monstrum Knox, Neo One and Two got their PS5 remasters, Persona Five Strikers finally released here in the West, and Bravely Default Two, uh, a game near and dear to Finn and I's hearts. Yeah, released. that's um, the big boy of the first, yes. like, the early part of this year. This was the big one. So, uh, what do people think of kind of these games in February in general? I mean, for me, it was Bravely Default Two. Like I mm-hmm. picked up Ease and Persona Five Strikers and the remasters of Neo because I I I don't have a filter when it comes to my RPGs. <laughs> but Bravely Default Two is the one I actually like delved into and hundred percented. It was yeah. Uh, 
I, I'm, I, I play. I still don't know where I place it in the trilogy, or or just the franchise as a whole. But I really loved what I played. I loved the new characters, the new classes. I thought the plot. Uh, I kept expecting the classic, you know, name change twist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought they swerved me well on that. Um, overall, just a very solid sequel in the sense of like bravely default two is like final fantasy two it, it carries over certain thematic stuff and and job classes and stuff but it's not a direct sequel so it's easy to jump into without having played the others yeah absolutely yeah, Feb- loved this game go ahead though uh stormy uh, i was gonna say february was actually a quiet month rpgs wise for me like I remember playing the first Bravely Default. I don't think I finished it. I don't think I disliked it either. It's just one of those things that when you're playing a long RPG, if something comes out that you're looking forward to more, you you jump off and then you try and go back and go, what the hell was I doing? Um, mm-hmm. And so I've been interested in two. Uh, I just I haven't gotten around to it. And Persona 5 Strikers, I ignored mostly because I couldn't get through Persona 5. It was just too long. And also the Muso games are hit or miss for me. Um, and I, although I've heard Persona 5 Strikers is actually one of the better ones, uh, I just, you know, and then the Neo games were too tough for me back when they first came out. And the East, the East series is just something that I never got into. So like February was kind of quiet for me. I didn't really play any of these. Mm-hmm. There's always an interest, like when you see any of these new games for me as an RPG fan, but I just, you know, you got to pick and choose your battles. Oh, I hear you. I hear you. What about you, Lucas? I'm about to disappoint you all. <laughs> I really didn't like Bravely Default 2. Oh, yeah? What uh, turns you off against it on it? Sure. Um, Honestly, a lot of it is just like it is such a slow game. Um, I really loved the first one, like Bravely Default, uh, just the original. It was just like I played through that uh, in like very few sittings. Um. And a lot of that was like the different tweaking that you could do uh, and the options to like speed up the gameplay or toggle random encounters up and down, stuff like that. And then that's just like not in Bravely Default 2 to mm-hmm. the same extent. They yeah. do the like enemies on the map thing, which like in theory, you know, it's in other games that do well. But like in this context, I think that was a really big detriment to this game. Um, those features were sorely like, missed yeah yeah it's just like that and you know the the battle system despite the fact that you can still kind of speed that up a little bit it's it's just like it just takes forever to get through a fight it takes forever to level up you know the 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 game looks nice but you know the switch is really like at this point starting to like every time a big rpg comes out on it starts to get a little janky Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I still don't know how I feel about the art style. Um, that's way lower on the list, but it's mostly just like a pacing thing. Like, it is so slow to in a way that like just I couldn't handle. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I like I thought about maybe going back to it uh on PC, give it another shot. Um. But like just first impression was uh, disappointing for me. Um, Strikers, however, not a huge fan of Persona 5 either, but I love me some Musou. <laughs> okay. Musou good. 
<laughs> Strikers. Strikers did interesting stuff with that. I was expecting something more traditional Musou and to have like it being more of a persona game with Musou sort of uh, incorporated into the combat. Um, it was really fascinating. Um, if I remember right, I think the uh, some of the storylines are really interesting too. Um, and I kind of liked how they... Uh, how they expanded on like the, the just like the way the enemies were set up in the first game. Um, kind of had this like monster of the week vibe for it for a little while. Um, and I, I just remember like uh, some of the characters being really interesting there. Um, Ease nine is in my library. I have not touched it, but I do like <laughs> Ease. <laughs> yeah. For me, I started this month, I covered and reviewed um, East nine and I really loved it. Minus uh, some technical bugs and issues playing the PS4 version on PS5. Luckily, those have been fixed, but I really enjoyed that. Um, with Bravely Default 2, I think I, I fall really between... Uh, my enjoyment of it really falls between um, yours and... Uh, yours, Lucas, uh, and yours, Finn. It's There are things I really liked about it, like I'm a sucker for a good turn-based job class system game. Um, Mm -hmm. but when it comes to Bravely Default 2, like you mentioned, Lucas, with the removing of being able to tweak experience growth and JP growth, um, because I always like the features like that. I love being able to like grind job classes by, but not necessarily grinding physical levels of my characters and default one in second. I love that. I love that aspect. It was missing here. Like things like that. I missed. I thought the characters were okay. I did not fall in love with them like I did the Bravely Default and Bravely Second Cast. There was uh, none. I felt like it didn't have the kind of fun banter. And I think a lot of what with Bravely Default 2, I felt it missing a lot of the charm that especially the first default had. It didn't have kind of the fun zany classes. I felt like there was no Catmancer or Pastry Chef classes like yeah, they were weird and great silly classes, but I love kind of those charms uh, that kind of charm uh, with the older games. Um, I'm very much interested to see like where it goes and kind of what it's been teased for a, like a second two or another bravely game. I will always love these games. It just didn't have quite the charm for me. Um, so I kind of fall between you guys Um in terms of enjoyment of it. Um, I did finish it. I did complete it. I did the did hundred percent. It still sank a lot of time, still loved it, but just missed. Had some things that I hope get rectified in the future games. I started brave of you to default between me and Lucas. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) And I'm going to need a tally or uh, a counter for this. Yeah. Um, with all your your puns but with um persona 5 strikers i started it didn't get too far into it um seemed cool i know a lot of people liked it it was just there were so many things coming out and uh getting busy into so many things i i just wasn't able to and i love the neo games so uh i have i did just the free updates so i'm but- sitting on those and i'm also like just staring at them on my list like <laughs> please let me get a time for this please yeah 
Uh, next up in March, we had Loop Hero, we had Star Renegades, Kingdom Hearts did a surprise appearance on the PC, along with Octopath uh, releasing on PC and Xbox. Uh, Game Passes, Saviors of Sapphire Wings and Stranger of Sword City Revisited, that bundle came out. Disco Elysium came out on PlayStation platforms. Uh, Nosia, which is like the RPG slash Among Us-like hybrid. Um, Yakuza Like a Dragon released on PS5. Uh, yeah, Xbox got Yakuza 6 and Monster Hunter Rise released. Uh, the latest and brand newest Monster Hunter game released on the Switch. So uh, what did people play this month? So March was the month that got me really going uh, mm-hmm. gaming wise. And and Scott, as Scott knows, we played a lot of Monster Hunter Rise together. Um, Monster Hunter is a series that I came to late. I think it was the third one on the 3DS that I've played mm-hmm. for the first time, uh, Ultimate, and loved it, played it with friends. And so I've been a fan of the series since, and I liked Monster Hunter World. What bummed me out about Monster Hunter World was it was on my PC and uh, for the, you know, for at first when I first played it. And like I could only play with my friends and it wasn't much fun to play by myself. Uh, but what I loved about Monster Hunter Rise is that it felt streamlined enough that you could play by yourself and kind of just do monster after monster and make some progress and then if you wanted to play with friends it was super easy to pick up and play and jump into each other's stuff and i'm sure and and it that was never particularly difficult in the other games, but it just felt more straightforward in this one, which I actually prefer in them. I love the story and world and I think it's great, but I like how streamlined Rise was. Also, like the the pets in rise are the best in the series and the i can't remember the name of the dog characters the palmutes the palmutes like they revolutionized travel in that game like just being able to ride something and move quickly and like know where the monsters are on the map at all times once you've discovered them and like easily seamlessly transition between the maps you know i can only imagine how pretty it's going to be when it comes to pc but it was such a perfect switch game uh that i absolutely fell in love with it uh other games i played that month um i I started Star Renegades. Star Renegades was kind of a big disappointment for me this year, only because I looked so forward to it. I mean, um, Finn remembers we were at PAX East 2020 together and hung out a bunch. And and like I we were at that booth a bunch, like just looking at it and reading about it. And I was so excited for this game. I loved its design. And then it came out on Game Pass and I played for a few hours and I just didn't get sucked in. And I don't think it's the game's fault. I don't think there's anything particularly inherently wrong with the game. I think it just didn't jive with me. Like that's RPGs, right? They either vibe with you or you don't. And if you bounce Mm. off in the early Mm -hmm. hours, that's it. You're done. And I think it's still got a great story. And from what I played of it and like the art design is some of the best in indie space, but I just didn't really dig it. I just bounced off it pretty hard. I'll probably go back to it. If it's still on game pass, I'll eventually give it another shot. Uh, but I just was kind of bummed that like, it was something I was looking so forward to. Didn't, didn't vibe with me at all in the way that I thought it would. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, what about you, Finn? Um, so for me, March was about just kind of supporting my existing (laughs) RPGs. Like, I triple dipped this on Disco Elysium because uh, that's one of my <laughs> one of my absolute favorites of this entire generation or a recent memory. It's on my uh, wish list. I'll get and to then it I also <clears throat> I also suck was a sucker and bought Yakuza like a dragon again on <laughs> PS5 just because I will always support the Yakuza franchise. Um, I'm not a big Monster Hunter guy. I have tried world was probably as close as I got into it, but it's just 
the whole franchise is too esoteric for me and, and requires too much of a time commitment than I usually can um, commit to. Because there's always, outside of RPGs, there's always so many other types of games I like to play. But uh, this month was mostly me just finishing up Bravely Default 2 and then just supporting other franchises I like uh, as a consumer. And that that about sums up my march. It's not as exciting as others. I'm, I apologize deeply for failing the <laughs> RPG fandom. <laughs> You're fired. I Get out. It. Son of a bitch, I knew it. We had some good times in Divinity, though. I mean, that was... Yeah, damn, right. Wait, was that back in March? We started oh, we in March. When did we start? Yeah. I think we started oh. in March or Feb. <laughs> That's awesome. Go us. Yeah. <laughs> and we just got off the island. I'm so proud of us. <laughs> yeah. We did good. We did real good. Uh, what about you, Lucas? Sure. Um, it was definitely a busy month. So like Loop Hero, I kind of came on to a little after the fact, um, but that was one of those games, I think like Inscription now that just sort of like hits and everyone is just going nuts about it. Um, and it was cool. Uh, I liked it. It was a little slow, but like I think it had some interesting ideas. Um, let's see. Octopath. That's that's my cloud game go to right now. Just nice. poke away at that. Um, so I added in, uh, Saviors of Sapphire Wings and Stranger of Sword City revisited to the dock. Um, so, uh, I'm not, I'm going to try not to bring this up too much, but I have ADHD and at this point in the year, I am not medicated for ADHD. And for as long as I can remember, there's something about first person dungeon crawlers <laughs> that just give me that dopamine that my <laughs> brain so deeply craves. But I've never finished one. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and it's been like that for years. Like I get so excited with one of these games and I start it and I play for a few hours and then I just like never touch it again. Mm-hmm. And this is another one of those. But like I had a great time for those few hours. <laughs> um, and uh, th- those games specifically, I think uh, experience makes them, if I remember correctly. Um, their arc has been interesting over the years. Um, like a lot of their games are connected in weird ways. Like they all kind of have this like weird, like shared mythology or like uh, things like species of characters reappearing uh and and like the context is always different and i kind of dig that kind of thing like uh final fantasies self-referencing just like a lot less indulgent about it mm-hmm. um and, and it's just been cool to like see those games kind of grow over the years i think uh their latest one is undernauts which i did not get a chance to try but really want to um and you know maybe maybe I'll finish it uh, now that I've started taking Adderall. Gnosia uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, was one I really wanted to try. That was another one that was like getting yeah, super hyped, um, but just I think that's coming out on PC shortly or something. They said I think that's getting a a, a, a port here shortly. Good. Yeah, that, that game definitely like 
had buzz, but I don't think it like landed like a, you know, parallel mm-hmm. to that buzz, but I think it could for sure. Um, and then monster hunter, that's monster hunter, man. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, I'm, uh, like not the biggest monster hunter person, but you know, like th- that game is just fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that rise kind of is in a weird spot just because of that, like switch launch exclusivity and again people kind of starting to starting to get a little fatigued at like technical issues on the switch um Mm -hmm. i don't think anything's been like a true deal breaker yet um but but i I really think this year is when that started to kind of like come up more and and that's one of the examples for sure yeah um for me, I I fell in love with Loop Hero. Um, I love being it was a perfect like kind of podcast or like work game for me. Like I could have it on. Sure, I can see that. Yeah. Running in the background and occasionally clicker mess with it. Um, and just I love kind of the pixely art style. It it just really worked for me as a as a I can my a periphery game like the game I have my going in my periphery and love it. Um, a lot like Finn, I was playing, I was still working through Bravely Default at this time. Um, so a lot of the other games I didn't jump on, like I had owned previous Disco Elysium already on PC. Um, I already owned and played Octopath, so I didn't jump on that. I'm a sucker for Kingdom Hearts, so I did buy Kingdom Hearts when it came to PC. Um, but I didn't like replay them or anything. And then at the end of the month, I did play a lot of Rise. I really liked Rise. Um, I love kind of the, the new movement tech they added in it. I loved having the, um, the Palamutes, like the Doggos. Uh, there was just a lot of stuff about Monster Hunter Rise I do really, really like. And it still hurts me so, so deeply that I can't, like, transfer over my progress onto the upcoming PC version. Because <laughs> yeah, I have same. no desire to go through from the start of that game again. Same. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... It just I don't want to. No, yeah, thanks. I- it's such a bummer and like that there's not going to be cross-platform either it's like i understand it's hard but like if i could play with my pc friends on switch like then i would play it again but the fact that there's no even inkling that that will even be a consideration is is a big bummer i get why it's just it stinks yeah yeah and i think it goes back to kind of some of lucas's points like the the switch is showing its age it can't run a high enough frame rate i mean the pc will be 4k at 60 or something crazy so it's like no doubt a switch version that can run 720 or whatever at 60 i think is it or i think they managed to get a stable i'm pretty sure it's 30 i think it's okay 30 yeah um but yeah still probably one of my favorite probably my favorite um monster hunter game it definitely topped rise for me just with the movement options and things you could do uh but loved it loved it um, and then we moved on to April, um, where there's Outriders. That was a flash in the frying pan for a good <laughs> couple weeks um, when things worked. Um, yeah, Saga Frontier. That was tragic. <laughs> saga Frontier, the, uh, the next Saga game, got remastered and released. Near replicant version, lots of numbers. And because I'm a Cold <laughs> Steel uh, fan, Cold Steel 4 released on Switch. So I always want to talk about Cold Steel. Um, so, yeah. 
those were some of the games that piqued my interest uh, back in April. What about all of you guys? Outriders is a funny story. Like Outriders is one of those games that I played the demo and went, this is not a good game. And then, but I played it with my friends and we had a stupid amount of fun playing this only mm-hmm. okay game. And then when it came out, I was like, do I really want to spend money on a game that's only okay? But all my friends are playing it. I call it the Borderlands syndrome. And yeah. I'm not going to say the Borderlands games are bad. They're not. In fact, the first two are, are quite great. The third one didn't grab me the same way. Same. I, th- I think that the Borderlands games, though, are a flash in the pan game for me because I will never play those games by myself. They're just not fun to me by myself because I'm not a giant first-person shooter fan. A game like Doom 2016 will keep me invested in a way that Borderlands never will. Uh, but playing with friends is a laughably good time. It, the ridiculous carnage that you can create playing together with the different kinds of guns is really fun. And I saw that potential in Outriders and I had a ton of fun playing it with my friends, but I never finished it. And things like cut scenes to transition areas, like literally jumping over gaps for a five yeah. second cutscene, <laughs> yeah. you know, things like that. And like the the customizations options just not really being there and the, the combat being interesting more interesting than a standard third person shooter but not interesting enough to keep me invested even though there were like different classes and stuff like it was it's such an anomaly right and it's a square enix game It, it it's on the cusp of being something really interesting and fails at almost every point but it doesn't but that didn't make it bad per se it was just mediocre it was just kind of okay which there's plenty of room in the space for okay games that can be fun but like i just it's funny i forgot it even existed this year until i saw it on this list and i put a bunch of hours into it with friends it's such a weird like like lucas said it's an anomaly it's just it's so it's such a strange flash in the pan that could have been so much more than it was and just kind of missed on every every aspect we would not have even been talking about it had it not been on game pass like this game would have no one would have talked about this had this not come out on game pass i think that's safe to say for sure i agree completely it seemed like square enix was really like experimenting with uh you know service model games and then like somebody slipped on a banana peel and like all of those games came out at like the same time (laughs) 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 and and just like like they didn't stand out at all um you know uh, avengers was like only a conversation because it was a marvel game yeah um and the campaign was pretty good but it, yeah. it was just like i think they acknowledged that like they kind of swung and miss with these games um but I don't know, it, it was just weird like the uh the lack of space between them, I guess. Um, yeah. But, you know, what can you do? <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, what were you playing? Were, did you play any of these uh, games, Finn? Um, <clears throat> Near Replicant. Uh, I had played the original on PS3, but, you know, I, I wanted to, as much as I loved Automata, I wanted to replay the OG. Uh, and then I bought Cold Steel 4 on Switch just because... You gotta, you gotta have everything on every system. That's right, of course. As is tradition. With the yep. with these niche ass franchises, you gotta support when you can. If it's economically feasible, and it is within your realm, and it is something you love, I love to do it. Um, and 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 you, it's you're part of it, Scott. Okay, with your <laughs> nonstop zealous 
like evangelical style promotion of the franchise. You know, I couldn't be like, all right, well, I guess yeah. I won't get four. No, I have to get four because it also came with a steel book and that makes every game better. Ooh. Obviously, it's true. Just don't you dare right. play it before you play the others in Cold Steel. Oh, no, I'm playing don't four do- first. Oh, don't do that to yourself. You no, come on. Try. I've played all of them. Calm down. Okay. <laughs> okay. Ugh, I was I had I was getting worked up there, getting the whole hot and sweat, sweaty. So I'm so glad are here. you are you saying you broke into a cold steel sweat? Uh, uh, oh. Why you're... are you so good at these? <laughs> it's, it's painful. It really is. Uh, <laughs> That's just me. Who played Saga Frontier? Anyone? Um, I, I did bought not. it, but I haven't played it. I did not. Gotcha. The Saga franchise as a whole was like one of the, I don't, I don't know if, it, yeah, I guess you can call it classic Square franchises that never really uh, jive with me, even back when it was just called Final Fantasy Adventure. Really, really <laughs> just wasn't my thing. I tried, but and I always wanted more of a the regular Final Fantasy, not knowing that it wasn't a Final Fantasy at the time. And then by the time it mm. did become Saga, I, I just wasn't mine and it makes me sad sometimes but it is it is what it is saga is like my thing yeah oh no and it's hard i I apologize to that in some ways oh no you're fine like i understand (laughs) (laughs) saga games are they jump around this a bit but but oftentimes they're like deliberately antagonistic towards like the player um and it's it's weird, especially this one, because it's like unfinished and you can tell it's unfinished. Um, but on the other hand, it's cool because like uh, Kawazu, who like runs the series, he's still there at Square Enix and uh, he's kind of been on in the background a lot, um, you know, except when he was like brought on to like patch Final Fantasy 12 together. Um, but he, he hasn't really until recently been able to like do a lot with the series. Um, a, a lot of the newer entries had to be like browser based or there was like the one on the Vita didn't come out uh, until it was like redone a little on the switch and stuff. But, but somewhere in between like romancing saga two and three uh, just being like kind of affordable little remasters uh, and like the, um, the one on the Vita uh, that came out Scarlet? in the US later. Yeah, Scarlet Graces. Thank you. Um, just like people suddenly showed up for Saga. Um, not to humble brag, but I, I was I was speaking to Kwasu earlier this year, um, did like a Zoom interview. And we were kind of talking about that whole thing of like JRPGs just lost their audience almost in like the PS3 era. Um for a lot of different reasons. And then like, they don't understand it either, but like, just like they, people came back. Um, and, and like a lot of, a lot of it's been like stuff like the saga, uh, saga remasters, like just like the little, like maybe it's cause they're cheaper, but they still kind of look like other games you may have played, even though people didn't really play them or whatever. It is like, whatever the factors are, and there's probably several like people showing up now. And that's really given uh, Saga a lot of momentum uh, lately. Mm -hmm. And that's why we're kind of seeing this. And 
with Saga Frontier, Kawazu actually got to go back and like add story content that was left out the first time. Which is like almost unheard of, I think, especially for stuff like this. Like how often does, you know, the original like creator, obviously games are made by more than one person, but like how often does one of the OGs get to like come back to their game, you know, 20 years later and like play with it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, just cool um and like saga itself is just so so distinct uh because of like it's weird obtuse mechanics and like they're always a little different each time and there's usually things like event flags hidden all over the place it's really like an rpg that you just sort of like stumble through mm-hmm. and whether or not that clicks with you uh becomes very clear very quickly <laughs> um yeah, Saga Frontier is like one of the weirdest ones. Because um, like I was saying before, it's like unfinished. There's still one storyline that famously like ends in the middle of a boss battle. Um, so it's like the weirdest one of the weird games. Um, but seeing it kind of just get to like come out in HD with like big changes it's not like like the roaming romancing saga games were more or less like straight uh conversions of the original whereas this is like lots of things changed and tweaked and stuff so it, it got more of like a kind of a red carpet kind of treatment mm-hmm. um which is nice to see and uh I, I i really hope that this kind of thing happens more um especially at square enix like They've they've run out of Final Fantasy games to re-release, and so they're <laughs> they're going back to the well, and it's like working out this time for some reason. So like you know, like people are talking about that Chrono Cross remake thing, if that's true or not, I don't know. But like stuff like that is happening more, and I don't know when that sort of momentum slows down, but I'm just really curious about like what comes out of it. Yeah. You know, for sure. I mean, like near replicant, that's another example of the same kind of thing. Like, yeah, they're slowly touching their backlogs. Yeah. And then, you know, they've tried before and it just didn't work as well. Um, So it's just like, whatever the combination of, of factors are, it's like, it's not just working on like one game. It's like spreading to like everything they, put out um that's it's cool i just started near i haven't really played it much um, yeah. but it, it's neat too i think one of the things kind of touching on the uh kind of the resurgence of jrpgs i think it's just japan stopped trying to make games for what they think the western audiences want they just started they, making they just started making games. jrpgs yeah. that sold well and got people into the series yeah it's like you got to kind of look back, though, to like how people were um, responding to JRPGs as well. Like, you know, you have the infamous Phil Fish thing in the indie game movie. It, it, it was like not only was that kind of stuff happening, like with, you know, Capcom shooting itself in the foot over and over again. Um, but but they really, really seemed at least to me and, and kind of in some of the circles I ran into, like people mm-hmm. just weren't nearly as willing to like try them. Um, yeah. 
And so it, it resulted in like, I think there was kind of a self-defeating thing where it, it kind of led to things like what Capcom was doing, or it led to like, you know, Compile Heart and the Neptunia series being like your option <laughs> for, <laughs> for an RPG, like especially on the PS3. It was like the weirder stuff kind of was able to coast. Um, but you know, it was the weirder stuff. So like it scared people away even more. Um, and so you really only had people showing up for final fantasy games and like, uh, I'm talking like the kind of bigger number since, mm-hmm. um, it was looking pretty grim for a while there. Um, especially like, uh, with Japan just sort of like losing interest in console games. Um, but then like slowly but surely like PS4 came out and Bondi starts putting out Digimon games again <laughs> and Square Enix is doing stuff. And uh, there's like a dot hack clinic. It's just like, just slowly that momentum came back. Um, I'm convinced it's economy related, but I mean, yeah, I think, I think also it's the demo, the way demos have shifted. Demos are less mm. common than they used to be, but now in the RPG space, like I haven't finished Dragon Quest 11, but the only reason I put, eight or nine hours in it right. it's because they gave you that demo that you could put hours into and then promised if you can bought it it would just convert over and i think that's brilliant and they did that with monster hunter stories the most recent one like yeah i think that mentality for rpgs is absolutely brilliant let people play the actual game from the beginning with no borders other than the length of time mm-hmm. they can play it and then let them convert that into the final version. I think it's the smartest thing the RPG genre has done. And so many more games keep doing it. And I think that that, for me at least, makes those larger games so much more approachable because I don't have 40 to 80 hours to spend on a game most of the time. But if Mm -hmm. I can... if I can have Says the guy who partied through the Yakuza series in a year and a half. Yeah, but I ignored side quests, which was painful. Um... I'll also throw in stories. that uh, the Switch <laughs> has been a big yes. factor in all yeah. these games. One hundred percent. Switch effect. The Switch effect. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's it just makes it for so indies easy. and RPGs. Yeah. It just changed the game. Absolutely, yeah. you're one hundred percent right, Finn. Yeah, and that's a good point about the demos. Like, the, it doesn't like I can't relate to that at all because of my job. So it's like, <laughs> no, I don't want to play this game for ten hours and then stop and wait. <laughs> um, but for you know everyone else, like uh, it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, the Dragon Quest also kind of getting its uh, feet in the ground better than it ever has before. Um, yeah, has also been a part of this. Yeah, had its own direct, has big upcoming announcements, like had mm-hmm. you know, simulcast the direct, which they'd never done before. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, uh, one thing to I, I would love to see kind of continue this trend of uh, the past coming back and coming back into popularity and things lucas when is probably going to start doing all their awesome guides again i miss strategy guides <laughs> for real rpgs D- without defunct. a strategy there's guide? so many rpgs and there's no cool strategy guides i can buy with them what's up with that <laughs> don't you like own prima or something <laughs> you and jesse need to start a revolt take over the company and get us our strategy guides back speaking of jesse outriders i, I remember uh one one of our lines is that we at Prima Games love a good dodge roll. <laughs> Outsiders has a god awful dodge roll. It's the worst. It's yeah, so, so we don't out of that. <laughs> yeah, um, 
we we did the guide for Axiom Verge one and two that hasn't yeah. come out yet. Tom um, Hap. Yeah, that was just Jesse and myself doing that. And congrats, by the way. Yeah, that was, that was a huge. That that was, I was so proud of you guys. I mean, I didn't know you were part yeah, of it. it. Jesse kept telling me it was all him, just solo, no help. <laughs> And I was like, good for you, buddy. Uh, it makes so much sense. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like doing doing a Metroidvania like that, um, especially one that wasn't out yet, was just really, really like intense. I can't imagine sitting in front of a JRPG <laughs> as like one or two people and, and doing anything nearly as, as good. Uh, but we'll see. Well, I'll keep my fingers crossed. Uh, but Send we, uh, limited run games. Lots of emails about how how cool the other two guides are. I loved <laughs> I loved working with limited run games. Those people are so cool, especially Doug. Yeah, good folks. Very very cool. But we move on from April and we venture into May, where Dragon Quest two Dragon Quest Builders two arrived on Xbox. Mass Effect the Legendary Edition released. Shin Megami Tensei three Nocturne HD released. Baldur's Gate, Dark Alliance, that new game, Biomutant uh, released, and Celesta Crown of the Magister released. So we'll start with Lucas this time. Any of these you play? Yeah. Um, Dragon Quest Builders 2 is so good. Like, just such an ideal sequel. Um, like, the first game came out, and it was kind of weird, but also really cool, and kind of filled some gaps that, like, Minecraft didn't fill. And two comes out and just does everything better mm-hmm. and more. Um, but I, I had played it back on the PS4. Um, funny, my my son, who was nine years old, uh, this was the first time like he played it. Um, he likes Minecraft a lot, and he just like attached to this game like flypaper. He's he's gone through the story like two or three times. He's he's working on getting all the achievements. So I just kind of been like watching him play it and just being mm-hmm. like, "Oh my god, <laughs> how do, how does someone's brain function like this?" But um, yeah, love that game. Uh, Nocturne, that's me. That's my flypaper game. Um, I was so excited. Yeah. To, yeah. Featuring to Dante from out. Devil May Cry. Yeah. Yeah. Buddy. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's what got me to buy the original. Same was that. Yeah. One hundred percent. I love Devil May Cry to this day, and that's exactly why I bought the first one. I haven't bought the HD version yet, though. Um, Lucas's review is one of the best reviews out there for this game. Um, it was oh, really, it was really informative, and like my biggest concern was like the Switchification of it, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Really powerful games don't always run great on Switch, but this one, for the most part, I mean, you see your consensus was it's fine. It's not the best version of the game, but it, it runs well enough and you enjoyed it. But like it, what I love about Prima's reviews and specifically yours, Lucas, is is that you're not like it's not is this good or is this bad? Right. That's easy to say. You go into why you like the game and then where you think the sticking points are. And I think that's really important to hit because I can read your review and go, oh, I don't like that or that. So I probably shouldn't play this game. You know, whereas other people obfuscate those details. Um, and so thank you very much. I, I will I eventually that. buy the HD version, um, uh, but I just I, I haven't. Mm-hmm. We'll get to me, but that was a big May was a big month for me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so like Nocturne, just good stuff. Um, like I, I can't think of anything bad to say about that game. <laughs> um, 
love love the SMT core series. Uh, oh yeah. Not, yeah, not as much as the internet seems to. <laughs> Uh, you know, I don't like yell at people for no reason for liking Persona, but you know, I think about it sometimes. So I don't do it. Uh, Bio Mutant was very disappointing. Oh yeah. my goodness, that game looked so cool, and then it came out, and uh, yeah, it's just sort of like uh, that's the whole game. Mm. Uh, Mass Effect, Mass Effect, everyone loves Mass Effect. Um, it's cool to have them all. It's cool to have them all in, you know, 4K and everything. Uh, I think some of the updates are kind of ugly. Yeah. You know, a little, little ugly. Uh, but, you know, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, that's me. Nice. Uh, Finn, what about you? Well, um, as the only Mass Effect fan on this show right now, uh-huh. yeah. uh, and, and easily the, the biggest Matt fan of Mass Effect, uh, for me, May was mostly Mass Effect. I had not <laughs> played the franchise since I beat three, uh, when it came out back in like 2011. And my wife, Caitlin, had never had any experience with Mass Effect. So we, uh, started up a brand new campaign in one. Uh, I put it on insanity. I, my goal was to platinum every single game and in one go. And I did, and we played together with her watching and making all the critical decisions. And it was really fun to put, to re-experience the games with all the DLC, like filtered into the points where it was supposed to be experienced instead of after you've beaten the game months down the line. And it was just, I, I, I did everything different. Uh, well, not everything. Paragon for life. But uh, <laughs> I uh, I played it. I usually was a soldier. This time I went as an infiltrator. Completely different play style than I was used to. And on Insanity Difficulty, it was just a delight to play again and re-experience. And it was, it was a blast. I played one, two, and three. Got my platinum trophies. Did the meta trophies as well. Like all that fun stuff. That was the bulk of my May and my June uh dragon quest builders 2 i had already gotten on playstation so it dropping on xbox didn't um affect me uh Baldur's gate dark alliance i did not play until november it was one of our games for uh extra life and uh whew, that game is rough yep. uh, <laughs> yeah even yeah, when I saw you six guys months playing, down the like, line oh. even six months down the line i was like by this time it should be good uh narrator it was not um, Biomutant, I agree with Lucas, was just a letdown. Now, Solasta, I was a Kickstarter backer for, so I was excited mm-hmm. about this because, you know, I was knee-deep in loving the uh, in Divinity Original Sin. So Solasta was like, hey, what if Original Sin, but really vertical? Like, that was like their thing. Like, we're creating our own style of game like that, so if you love that, you might like this, but we're going like really vertical maps. And I, th- it came yep. out really good. Kickstarter games, all we all know, they can be hit or miss. Yes. But I think this one was uh was really strong, and they they really delivered on their promises. And the updates that kept coming through feedback uh, was were really solid. And they did not take seventeen years of my life to do so. So I mean that that dev team has earned my my respect. And then of course SMT three Nocturne. Uh, was one of my all-time favorite PS2 games and is is the reason I went back and just started playing the Persona and SMT franchise as a whole. Like That was my first experience with it. 
I actually owned Persona 1 and 2 on PS1, but never played them. Oh, my God. And then I went back and played them because of Nocturne. I was just like, oh, I'm all into this. Mm -hmm. So they were like, hey, what if Pokemon, but like for older (laughs) kids? That's basically, you know, during the PS2 generation, I was in that age where I was like, maybe Pokemon's I'm too old for it. But this, this is just edgy enough for just starting <laughs> college, Matthew. And uh, well, I'm just yeah. sitting on $500 here. I don't need to play. <laughs> I mean, hey, I didn't know at the time. Okay. You got to remember the PS1 era was wild with stuff like nothing had value until later in life. Oh, yeah. And I had, I had true. a sealed copy of Suikoden 2 that I got at Toys R Us for $9.99 in the clearance bin. Hell yeah. I mean, I opened it to play it because I'm not I'm not made of stone, but like PS1 RPGs, they were just like I have the working design. You know, I'm getting I'm getting way off track. Point is PS1 okay. games, you know, are are awesome, especially RPGs. And there were so many gems lost to time. Uh I forgot. Yeah. Anyway, Nocturne's awesome. Matt, you <laughs> want to tell us how you're not as big a Mass Effect fan as me? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can't even argue that you to cheer me up earlier this year, sent me your entire Mass Effect comic book collection, which was one of the sweetest things a human has ever done. So I'm not even going to fight it. Um, yeah. Well, you know what? <laughs> when, when when one of your best buddies loses his home and you know he loves Mass Effect and I had just gotten the uh, the Mass Effect like library edition Omnibuy. So I'm like, yeah. you know what? We're moving. I'm about to have a kid. Let's downsize. I know who would love these Mass Effect comics because I had them all. On yeah. the, in the single issues and i'm like i'm gonna send them to my boy stormy they're great i'm still making my way through them slowly uh, i'm a slow reader but uh but yeah may so the, the great irony for me is that may w- at that point that year was the game i was looking forward to the most and it wasn't a new game um for those who don't know and the reason folks are poking phone at me i host a uh, mass effect podcast called reek night with my co-host frankie bradley lestrange and uh we finished the trilogy this year. We were playing through the original version. Um, and like, I was concerned that playing a game, a version of the game for the, like I had only been playing that version for the podcast because I didn't want to mix up my choices because we were, we were trying to play as if we were Shepard and that's the whole pitch of the show. So when the legendary edition came out, I was like, oh, I'm going to start a new save. I hope I don't confuse my decisions. But because I was starting in Mass Effect 1 while we were almost through 3, by the time that came out, there was no mix-up. And, like, let me tell you, I was a kid in a candy store. Like, I've played these games so many times. And and the legendary edition was exactly what I wanted. I didn't have a modern console version. I didn't have a console version at all because I'd gotten rid of my 360 at, at some point years ago. And that was where my original versions of the trilogy were. And the PC ports are, are fine. They're not bad, but like no controller support without mods. And it's just, it's not as good to me as the console versions. Those games were made to play on console. And so it was just so exhilarating to play them again on console. I agree with Lucas. I think some of the lighting and design changes were strange and yet some of the other ones were brilliant. Like some of the game has never looked better. And then some of the game uh, never looked worse. And it's kind (laughs) of a bummer that that's the case, but gameplay wise mass effect one is now playable. The first game, the first game is good and I love it, but the combat controls, the aiming, all of it just needed such tweaking. And like, I don't hate playing through the first game anymore. Whereas I used to dread playing through the first game because the combat just doesn't hold up. And so I'm so glad that I have that version of one. One has never looked more pretty as far as like sharpness of the character designs and like the ship and some of the other major, major story beat moments. 
And of course, the sound design is the best it's been. Uh, the mixing is the best it's been, um, you know, and I love this trilogy. And I will say this for the Legendary Edition. It made me re-fall in love with the third game. Like a lot of folks, I gave the third game a hard rap when it first came out. But I think it's also because it wasn't a complete game when it came out. Playing through it now with Leviathan and Omega and, you know, the the Shore, Shore Leave DLC, all of that makes it a complete game and makes it my one of my favorites in the franchise because it feels complete, not only from a game perspective and a meta perspective, but from a story perspective. You wrap up so many incredible stories. The ending is still hit or miss. You're never going to please everybody with it, but I don't hate it. I hated it when it first came out and now I've come around to it. I think that It'll complicate things depending on how I, you know, I'm playing through Andromeda now for the current season Reignite, which I'm enjoying and I'd never played before. And I'm excited for what comes next in the Mass Effect series. But I think the Legendary Edition also opened itself up to so many more new people. I have so many friends who, like, you know, Finn cracks jokes, but I'm known as the Mass Effect guy on Twitter, sometimes to my detriment. But like so many of my friends writing me going, Matt, I love this game. I see why you love it so much. I'm so happy with it. I'm so glad I could finally play it on a current console. And that warms my heart to no end that so many people who miss this the first time through are able to play it and, and meet it where it lives. Right. You know, it's still not a perfect game, but I, I really love this franchise and I'm so glad that we got this remaster and it makes me more optimistic for what the next version of this is. Um, I completely agree with Finn about Baldur's Gate. I'm a big Dark Alliance fan. I loved the original games, but this game is just a PS2 with PS4 graphics game and like it just it's not fun even multiplayer it's just a letdown and it's a bummer i like hack and slash gauntlet style and dark alliance style games and it's Mm -hmm. just one giant letdown and and to make a decent one of these games isn't that hard uh and it just indie indie studios have been doing it for a while yeah. yeah and so it's just a giant letdown and then biomutant same thing like uh, I like Lucas in parallel to the review side ish of games. You know, I have a couple podcasts. And so like I got a code for Biomutant, which I was super grateful to get. I love the folks over at Evolve, um, but it was such a horrible crashing disappointment. And the, like the previews of it were so good. The demos of it were so good. And then when you got the full game, it just it misses the mark in so many places. It's so hard to make a good open world game it's very easy Mm. to make a bad one and i think that biomutant had some great ideas i loved the character creator i loved the world but the storytelling is bad the voice acting is not good and then the like once you're in the space it just doesn't function as well as it looked and so that was a huge disappointment for me uh in may as well um for me uh Dragon Quest Builders 2, I have it on PS4, so I didn't really touch it on Xbox, but it is a fantastic game. Uh, SMT3 Nocturne, I loved uh, being able to get this. I got it for both PS4 and Switch, physical copies, because I'm a sucker. And (laughs) if it comes out for both, I need to also get the Switch version. Um, So yeah, absolutely fell in love with getting my ass handed to me by Matador over and over again. (laughs) Um, That took me back um hell to, yeah to, to my olden days um no it was just it's so good to see these games kind of get more widespread um uh hype behind them uh because i mean back in i mean this was the first mainline smt game that we had gotten up to this point and i think probably only the third of any games because i think before smt3 the only ones we had received were persona one and the e 
eternal punishment of Persona 2, the second half of that duology. So it was very much still a niche niche series. Um, so absolutely love supporting that and buying multiple copies of it. Biomutant, I tried to demo at PAX and I was like, this is annoying. I don't I don't <laughs> care about it. Uh so I didn't really touch it when it <laughs> when it released. Uh but after everything you said, it's like, okay, yeah, I saved my money on that one. Um Solasta, like you said, Finn, uh really, really impressive for being an indie studio. For those of you that don't know, they kind of got the uh the SRD rule or license to use the uh, D&D fifth edition SRD rules with it. So you have, it's a very uh, uh, well-presented Dungeons and Dragons experience. Um, so Solasta, very, very good. Um, in terms of Mass Effect, you all have pretty much said what I would say as well. Very impressive. One thing I will say uh, still to this day, why the fuck didn't the Legendary Edition come with a physical copy of the game? <laughs> that is bullshit. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Yeah. I was I was gonna try and justify it, but I'm like, no, that's my it's it's the worst thing EA does because they they've done it for a bunch of their yeah. games, is release these big expensive collector's editions and then go, but not the game. Yeah, you get a code. Yeah, that was my that was my legendary edition that came with a helmet, a steel yep. book, art prints, a letter from Captain Anderson, Captain Datterson himself, yep. and no damn game, which is fine. I, I have I, that I too. It. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not me. fine because they did the <laughs> no. same thing with Andromeda. Enabling them. The, the Andromeda collector's edition came with like a RC version of their version of the Mako and, and all kinds of stuff. Just. Just not the game. The, the, the helmet's real cool, though. Not gonna no, lie. It is real cool. I agree. The, <laughs> but they should the point, also put the game in. Right. My yeah, argument isn't know. that the Legendary Edition is bad. It's there's so it many cool things. Game. Why the hell don't you have the physical <laughs> game with it? I know. It's, it's yeah. the Legendary Asterisk Edition. Yeah. It, Just it, don't uh, call it an edition. That, yeah. That's all you need. Yeah. If 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 it's between like that cool like Paragon like metal pen or something or a physical copy of the game, <laughs> I will take a physical copy of the game fair over enough. a metal pen. <laughs> That's fair. It's cool, but I'd rather have a game. The funniest thing is I have the steel book, but I bought the game digitally because my logic was I'm obsessed with this franchise. I needed I need a digital version on my PS5 at all times, which made sense, right? I won't uninstall it. It'll yeah. always be there. I don't have to put in a disc. But now I have this steel book with nothing in it. Exactly. <laughs> like, it's like, do I buy the game anyway? I mean, if I ever see it on and like I also have the Steam version on my wish list. And if it ever goes below 50%, I'm gonna buy it. So I have a PC version. I'm but I'm also a special nutcase that loves. Loves this game in a way Dude, that most people don't. So, you know, you have that. to like keep your eye on like <laughs> Wario 64 and stuff because Amazon has randomly been putting up digital codes for the PC version of Mass Effect Legendary Edition yes. up for 10 bucks. Oh, I, I snagged the Legendary out. Edition for 10 bucks like two days ago. Nice. I'll keep an eye out. Thanks for letting me know. No problem. Glitches, man. <laughs> All right. Save you money. Um, but next up, we move into June. Uh, we had Disgaea 6 releasing on Switch, P Fantasy Star Online 2 New Genesis released, Final Fantasy 7 Remake Integrate, Dark Deity, and The Legend of Remaster were some of the games that stuck out to The me. Legend of Remaster? I love the that game. Of, the Legend of Mana Remaster, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> Both work. Both do. Uh, 
I I spent most of the summer playing Mass Effect. Uh, like I loved PSO two. Actually, I thought the original version was a lot of fun. Um, I'm also a PSO sicko. Like I used to play a multiplayer split screen with my friends on the GameCube. Yeah, um, buddy. But uh, but I didn't play New Genesis. I just I fell off MMO style games really earlier this year. We'll come back to that though because that's changed. Um, Integrate I didn't touch and I'm bummed. Like I loved Remake. I thought Remake was actually a great game. Um, I think that it's interesting but I just couldn't bring myself to go back to just Integrate uh, and buy the DLC. I will at some point but uh, I never got around to it. Yeah, this was this was a quiet month for me. I just mostly spent my time playing more Mass Effect. There you go. Uh, Finn, what about you? Um, Well, much like Matt, most of June was mass effect time um mm-hmm. i picked up disguise six because nippon itchy uh they just they i'm I'm a fan the house that the house that prinny's built yep. um but b- besides mass effect i did knock out the final fantasy 7 remake uh yuffie dlc because oh i loved <clears throat> what she brought to the story and then the new, because this is basically like you know we all know Seven took some uh, remake took some liberties with the original plotline and and carved its own path, but this is the first time that they really broke free from the established narrative because you know we didn't encounter her until way later in the game. Uh, so her and and the new plot and the new mechanics and just her, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, integration into in, integration into the game was really well you stretched done, I think. it there dude it, yeah. i did the best ones. ones are the stretches sorry I, I i i don't sorry i'm not sorry but no it's uh i i, I think it's <laughs> it's definitely worth it um if you get a chance to play it stormy i think if you ever in a in a dull like in a lull <laughs> for games and you were like hey what do i need what do i want to kill 15 hours with boom jump into some integrate awesome and I don't know what Dark Deity is, and I feel it's the to not that, Fire but... Emblem game. It's the oh um, yeah, the, it's, it's the, PC the game. indie game that is like a lot like the Game Boy Advance Fire Emblem games that's coming out also on Switch in huh. the year, next year. Well, then I guess when it comes to Switch, I will give it a shot. Yes, looks very very good. I just I don't sit in my PC very much to play games comparatively mm-hmm. to consoles. So no, for sure. Yeah. Cool. Uh, that's me, Lucas. I'm sure. going to toss the ball to you. All right. Uh, I'm just like looking at the list of games in general that came out in June. Whew, I was a busy boy. <laughs> okay. Uh, just a quick shout out to Edge of Eternity. Um, it was a very interesting, interesting game that was 1.0'd way too early. Yes. Um, yes, it was. Yeah. So I, I actually plan to come back to that later. Um, once it, I feel like it's more like a finished. <laughs> um, it's a neat game. Uh, let's see. Fantasy Star. I have downloaded three different times. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Every time I felt like, okay, I got a chunk of free time. And then something else would happen. Um, but like, it was so nuts that fantasy star online like came out here like that 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 was like a that was like a metroid dread moment for me that was like whoa what 
<laughs> Phil Spencer just be like, hey, this this game that was never going to come out that everyone gave up on. Oh, it's here now. It's on the Xbox for free. But, uh, you know, I, it was a little too late. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think that game aged very well. Um, it was like, oh, man, it's in my hands. Finally. I sure wish it was in my hands 10 years ago when it was cool. Where, <laughs> um but the uh, the the remake thing, the new generation, was really cool. Um, I, I did put a little bit of time into it, and uh, just like it, I don't even understand why they're still calling it PSO two. Like it's it's a totally different kind of game. Um, I just wish I had more time. I love Fantasy mm-hmm. Star Online, and I just like I want to play this, and it's fun, and it's just you know, just don't have time for it. But uh. Do want to give it a shout out if you do have time for it I, I think it's a really interesting game cool uh next up clicky 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 uh disguise six i kind of was disappointed by um i i have always kind of been kind of into this guy i think this guy four uh was one of my favorites the original one great um six i wasn't like I didn't go into it apprehensively because of like the 3d style and stuff. But once I kind of dug into it and just like the combination of like things they added versus things they took out, I think was just sort of weird and arbitrary. And I think uh, kind of hurt the game overall. And it's just like, it just wasn't there for me. Um, so I just kind of lost track of it. Um, Legend of Mana is another interesting game, uh, like Saga Frontier. I think they're almost like companion games, and I think that's why they both came out like so close to each other. Um, because unlike most of the other Mana games, uh, this one has like a totally like just up down left right backwards structure like nothing makes sense uh you have no idea what you're doing but you kind of like stumble over things like uh you know storylines here and there you're basically like rebuilding the world one town at a time um but like looking into it i learned that like a lot of saga people were involved with this game's development and a lot of the mana people were not it's like, oh, this makes sense. This is basically just another saga game. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's just like a bizarre game uh, that I think is even more uh, vague and obtuse than saga games. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really hard to be like, yeah, you should play this game. Um, but like, it's so yeah, there's fascinating. A lot, there's a lot of interesting mechanics that are really not explained well it gives you absolutely nothing and i think that's a cool thing in certain situations and other times it just makes your life difficult um mm-hmm. i wasn't really sure where i landed on it but really fascinating regardless and also like they for this game uh i don't remember if it was for just the north american release or not but they like converted the pocket station mini game into something you could just play in there mm-hmm. just like the weirdest like like uh, it was like a 
we don't have any other ideas for like new content. So let's do this thing where we basically have to like remake this game from scratch. Like this is another interview I did. And uh, it was basically like, yeah, we kind of, we looked at the pocket station game and, you know, we couldn't like port it. We didn't have any code or anything. So we like played it a bunch and then tried to copy it. And, (laughs) (laughs) you know, uh, shout outs to that kind of bizarre effort for something that, uh, you know, most people will not care about whatsoever. Um, very cool at the same time. For sure. Yeah. Um, that's, that's my June. Lots and lots and lots of guilty gear. Oh yes. Guilty gear. So, so good. So, so good. Oh Uh, boy. Do I have sad feelings about that in a good way. (laughs) Sad feelings in a good way. Got it. Uh, that that it's makes sense to somebody. There you go. That works. Uh, for me, I bought Disgaea. It's still sealed because Nippon Ichi Games, once they're like sold and made, they skyrocket in price and they're hard to find. So I invest in them um, to uh, to keep. And I like the Disgaea series, so I'll play it, get around to it eventually. Um, absolutely loved uh, Yuffie's stuff in Integrate. I played that one weekend. Haven't really gone back and replayed 7 Remake in the pretty 60 frames per second and and everything on my PS5, but one day I will. Um, And yeah, a lot of my time was spent uh, with Legend of Mana Remaster. I reviewed that for RPG site, so I I dove into that back in June. That was a lot of fun getting able to revisit. I think it's perhaps the best-looking kind of remaster that Square has done for these well, up to that point, but prior to the Pixel remaster, is probably one of the best. Um, right. Cleaned backgrounds. Up. Oh, yeah. The backgrounds and stuff. And even the sprites, because they didn't have that like weird Vaseline mm-hmm. filter applied to them. They were just very crisp, beautiful pixels, which I absolutely love. Um, but no, I thought Legend of Mana remaster was fantastic. Uh, a great classic brought back for a new generation um still as obtuse and difficult to really wrap your head around unless you do research but luckily there's all the guides out now but so uh yeah really the majority of my my june was some sm just playing more smt nocturne mass effect and legend of uh mana so and that is going to do it for the end of part one of our State of RPGs in 2021. I want to thank you for joining us here today. Be sure to tune in next week for the conclusion of this amazing discussion and list with my dear, dear friends. Thank you to each and every one of you who's listened today. I really appreciate it. If you have an RPG you'd like us to feature on an episode, tweet at underscore RPG University with your suggestion or share your own favorite RPGs directly with me on Twitter at SolidSnake120. As always, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, be kind to one another, class dismissed.